Today we are starting a new series in the book of Jude, and it's a mysterious book, but we'll get into all that soon enough. Today's focus is going to be on the identity of the author, Jude. What was Jude's relationship to Jesus? Let's just say their relationship was a little bit rocky. I remember reading a story a while back about a man named Max. Max and his wife had been in a little tiff before church had started one Sunday morning. Throughout the service, there was a very clear tension between the two, and as they were standing and singing songs of praise, Max decided that he needed to go to the bathroom. So he walked out of the sanctuary, and when he returned, everyone was seated and listening to the preacher. He felt ashamed of the argument that they had had earlier, and was too embarrassed to even look at his wife as he sat. Then he felt he ought to show her that everything was forgiven. So he scooched close to her, and to his surprise, she scooched away from him. So he lifted his arm, put it around her, and pulled her in close tight to him. As she began to push, push away, he heard an all-too-familiar voice behind him. Max, what are you doing? It was his wife, sitting in the pew behind him. There's a mysterious book towards the end of the Bible that doesn't garner a whole lot of attention. Immediately following the conclusion of this book, you turn to a new page with a new title, Revelation. Revelation tends to overshadow this tiny one-chapter letter, but Jude is a book full of mystery with one pointed and clear message. Contend for the faith. Throughout this letter, we are going to read references to extra-biblical material. I'm not talking about only bringing extra-biblical material to this sermon necessarily, but there are actually extra-biblical references inside of the letter of Jude. Books that did not make the canon of Scripture. We'll even gain a little insight into the supernatural fate of Moses' body. This letter even makes note of a place where certain fallen angels are held captive until the day of judgment. Not hell, but something different. The author of this bizarre letter introduces himself plainly, like any of the other apostles. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called and sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love multiplied to you. So if you notice the title of the message, Who Was Jude? We pretty much concluded this message, right? Jude was a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother to James. James. Wasn't that the brother of John and Aren't they the sons of Zebedee? Well, if that was your thinking, you thought of the wrong James. The James mentioned in the letter of Jude is actually James, the brother of Jesus. Now, in talking about James, when we think of significant leaders inside of the church, we oftentimes think of the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. The truth is that James was arguably as influential as Peter 
if not more so. James was the elder at the church in Jerusalem. James was Jude's brother. So Jude was one of Jesus' four brothers. Yes, you heard that correctly. Jesus had four brothers as well as at least two sisters. So you had Jude and James and then Jesus' other brothers, Simon and Joseph. Now Jesus' brothers thought he was crazy. When Jesus taught, it made them nervous. The Bible details a situation where the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of having a demon. So Jesus' family started searching for him to pull him away. Mark 6, 31-32 describes the scene. It reads, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside they sent to him, calling him, and a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. The scholarly opinion about Jesus' state of mind was starting to influence his family's thinking. They started to suspect that he was either crazy or wicked. An even harsher example is given to us in the book of John, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It reads, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea. Okay, so note, he didn't want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go to where? Judea! That your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And just a reminder, that last sentence I read actually is in the Bible. So we know that they did not believe in Jesus. So to me, it is not entirely clear as to whether his brother's motive was to mock him or to lead him into the hands of the Jews who wanted to kill him. <clears throat> now, in fairness to, say, James and Jude, they probably have memories of Jesus growing up. So when they hear people calling him the Messiah, they probably think, you think Jesus is the Messiah? I grew up with him. He can't even tie his shoes. Which, by the way, is biblically accurate because they did not wear shoes back then. They wore sandals. So I guess I'm right regarding that. And yet Jude calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He made this statement in humility, knowing that he was not worthy to call himself the brother of Jesus Christ. In fact, he had become aware that Jesus was not crazy. He really was the Messiah. This leads into his next statement. To those who are called and sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love multiplied to you. So he's addressing his audience. His audience is those who have been called and sanctified by God and belong to Jesus. This is an acknowledgement of God's plan to include these people in his work of salvation. When you look back at Jude's life prior to the resurrection, you would have thought that there was no way Jude would believe. There was no way that James would believe. They were 
bitterly opposed to their half-brother, Jesus. Knowing him all too well, you would never think they would take him serious enough that they would humble themselves enough to call him Lord. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that all of you that are listening to this message probably have somebody in your life that you think will never know Jesus. Their lives look so hopelessly off course and they're plagued by one bad decision after another. Their interest in God right now is exactly zero. If you only read the Gospels, that would be your impression of Jesus' brothers as well. But that was not the whole story. God was doing something in their lives that no one understood at the moment. And it was all for His glory. It looked like they were way off course. But God was in control. He had his hand upon them. Now those were the words also of actor Kirk Cameron about his conversion story. He was one who was surround he was someone who was surrounded by no one who was interested in God. Nearly everyone he knew in Hollywood was immersed in immorality and self-destructive behavior. He said it could only be described and explained through God's hand upon his life that he did not fall into the same habits. One day, he heard a sermon by Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and it changed the course of his life. If that's not a relatable enough story to you, how about the father of a preacher friend of mine? His father was a bitter man with no interest in God, but one day he found himself in a situation where he became dependent on his son and his son's family to where he had to live with them. And so as he's living with his son, the preacher, he sees him and his family praying together, reading the Bible together, loving one another, forgiving one another, and one day, defying all odds, this once bitter man gave his life to Christ. Or how about this? One that's even more personal to me is my uncle. He is a man who lived most of his life on his own terms. And I can't tell you how many times that I prayed that he would know the peace and the love and the joy that come with having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It never looked like it was going to happen. But then one day, once again, defying all odds, Jesus broke through and he accepted him into his life. God is a God of surprises. He has a plan to bring glory to his name. Jude, like everyone else, was lost before he submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. God had a plan for him. Even in the most hopeless of circumstances, God is there and he is working. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. Again, my name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 in the morning. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.